Hello, friends. It's episode 82 of the Our Weekly Highlights podcast. Summer is definitely heating up, but we're ready to share some great highlights with you today. As always, my name is Eric Nance, and thank you so much for joining us from around the world, wherever you are. And I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Mike Thomas. Mike, how are you doing this hot summer day? Doing well. I haven't gotten a lot of work done this past week because I've just been playing with uh, Hugging Faces Dolly Mini app where you can just uh, type some text in there and it'll generate an image based upon that. I just tried to send uh, a, the text recording a podcast in the jungle because I, I assume that that's how you feel, but it looks like there's too much traffic on the server right now. But maybe maybe on Twitter later, I'll post uh, what, what the algorithm comes back for with an image of that. Yes, you could say recording podcasts tends to get you into a wilderness of many issues, but we've been through it all. Nothing surprises us anymore. Knock on all the wood in the world. <laughs> but yeah, I'm happy to be recording with you as always. And also my big thanks to our curator this week, Batul Almarzak, for another fantastic issue. And as always, she had great help from the Art Weekly team members and contributors from all around the world. So let's get into it by saying that gone are the days when creating tables in R was a boring chore because since the early version in 2019, the GT package has, in my humble opinion, invigorated this space across many industries. And we're happy to say that version 0.6 was released a few weeks ago. And the table master himself and package author, Richie Own, has given us the deets and a new post on the RStudio blog for our first highlight today. And I admit, I had to do a little double take as I was reading the first feature leading off this post because it is aimed squarely at those of us in the life sciences space. Now, admittedly online, you're probably not going to see a lot of chatter about making rich text format or RTF outputs, but it's a format that's dominant to this day in the clinical trial submission packages that many uh, companies use to get their um, treatments on the market and approved by regulators like the FDA and the like. Well, GT 0.6 brings a streamlined styling to these outputs and makes you, gives you new ways of customizing the page layout and header text fields. Now, when you look at one of these, you might get flashbacks of the early days of looking at output from a dot matrix printer, but I can tell you that I'd much rather be be able to create these from the friendly confines of R, then, well, I better not say more. We can guess what software usually produces these. We'll leave it at that. But also, the other major selling point in this release is a brand new set of functions available for substitution of values in cells without you having to do all these steps in data pre-processing before you feed it into the table. I think my personal favorite, and Mike's going to tell us about a few of these later on, is called the sub-zero function because sub-zero wins. And others include other very common situations like dealing with missing values like sub-missing, as well as other functions for substituting small or large values. This can also come up in life science outputs as well when, for example, we're showing output from an inference method and we have a very small p-value. Well, nobody wants a table that says like 0e negative 12 or whatever 
you want to have a little more readable than that. So you often want to display that as, say, the lesson sign of 0.001. We often see that quite a bit. Well, on top of this post, which, of course, is linked in the show notes, we have other links in the show notes because Rich has gone full steam ahead with our studio's developer advocate for the Shiny team, Jesse Mostapak, to create some of the most entertaining screencasts that are literally showing table battles between the two of them and other showcases of GT in action. And boy, if I only had an ounce of their charisma, boy, oh boy, those those uh, download counts might be a bit higher. But I digress. They are still very entertaining watches, and we'll have links to a few of those screencasts in the show notes as well. So, Mike, what are you excited about with this uh, GT update? This was a great blog post to see come through. And like you said, Eric, most of the function updates are based around substituting uh, exceptionally small, large, or missing values with some other text. I'm really impressed with the syntax options that are available within these functions, especially. Like you can use an if statement to handle all those pesky edge cases that we always deal with in tables. And you can even nest a markdown using the MD function within GT. You can nest that inside these functions to write markdown syntax that will render appropriately in the output table which just makes everybody's life really easy. Who doesn't love writing Markdown? And the if statement um, kind of looks like a Lambda-like function where you use X wrapped in curly braces to represent the input data or cell. I think that we have all, definitely myself included, ran into a situation where we are making a table in Excel or otherwise where the order of magnitude in the data makes it difficult to decide how many decimal places we should show or how exactly we should go about formatting that table in general. But worry no more. Uh, This new flexibility in GT takes care of all of that for you programmatically. If you want to have some of the values in the column round to two decimal places, yeah, sure. Do you need values to automatically switch to scientific notation at a certain magnitude? No problem. Uh, Do you want to replace all values greater than 10 million with the word huge mungus? There's literally a function for that, and it's in the block. Um, I think one of the big selling points of R in general, not to go on a tangent here, but is is the communities and our studios' emphasis on effectively communicating and analysis. I think that this was something that that was really missing, you know, years ago that precluded people from precluded data science from really taking off until it did. I remember first discovering like R Markdown and feeling that that was totally life changing to me. And then I discovered Shiny and felt like I had found buried treasure. And, you know, every project calls for a different output communication format. Sometimes that's interactive. Sometimes that's not interactive. But we just have such an amazing ecosystem of packages and tools for effectively communicating data and analysis. And and GT is a huge part of that. And lastly, maybe I'll just point out that Tom's GT Extras package which provides some additional formatting utilities for your GT tables, including things like embedding spark lines and images inside your tables, um, just hit CRAN yesterday. So I'm really excited that that is now on CRAN as well. And we have sort of these extra helpers on top of the continued functionality that that we're getting uh, from the GT package itself. Yeah, those are excellent points. And I've been so excited to see where GT is going. And it's, you know, it's certainly gratifying in a sense that um, I won't say it was all the motivation, but there were definitely a vocal few of us in this particular industry that were 
you might say a little tired of doing tables the usual way. And we know, we know that R is capable of doing some brilliant displays. But the issue was, how do we get it to play nicely with these other formats? So GT is a, is a success story in this sense. And not that it's the same thing, but also a package in the Shiny ecosystem called Shiny Meta was another package that was, in essence, a, a vocal few of us were, were wanting a, a, an interesting solution to a very difficult problem. But I think, yeah, and there are so many situations where you now have this rich choice available, whether if you want to do interactive, we got great patches for interactive tables. If you want to do static tables, GT is, I mean, I, 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 it's my podcast, I'm going to say it. This is my first line to do some brilliant static tables and style it the way that's appropriate for that given project. I think it's, it's, it's only going up. Um, I'm really impressed with the ecosystem. Even that itself is spurred on as you referenced with GT Extra that Thomas has just, has just released. So it's, it's absolutely amazing that how far we've gone with this. So I'm really excited to see what's in store for GT in the future, for sure. And well, Mike, it wouldn't be uh, our weekly highlights of, so without a visit to what I'll call the ggplot2 corner, because we got a lot of interesting use cases that come up every single week. And you're going to lead us off with another great application of the package. Yes, we have some incredible data viz in our weekly this week. There's a little teaser for later as well, but kicked off by this post uh, from Nicola Rennie, who's a data scientist at the consulting firm Jumping Rivers, which I think is over uh, in the UK, potentially. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. Um, but Long story short, the output data visit she creates is, is stunning. If you want to give yourself a spoiler, scroll down to the bottom of the blog to see the finished product, which showcases like this decision tree from the story Goldilocks that was completely custom made using like a really cleverly crafted data set and heavy use of the geomrect function from ggplot2. Um, so Nicola presented this at the Nairobi Our Ladies meetup, I assume last week potentially, um, might've been before that, but it just made our weekly this week, which is awesome. And she's one of my favorite tools in data viz, uh, she used was imagecolorpicker.com to extract the hex code of the background color of an image, and then use that hex code, uh, to set the background theme color for her ggplot. And at the end, when Nicola puts the image on the ggplot, it looks like a seamless combination of a chart and an image side by side together, sort of on the same background panel. For anyone out there doing data viz, ask your company's marketing department for your corporate color palette uh, and start incorporating those hex codes into the color scheme of your visualizations. I promise you it will make them look super professional in the board deck that they eventually end up in. <laughs> and Nicola provides us with an amazing landing page as well, which is in the show notes that contains the GitHub repo and the YouTube link for her presentation at the Our Ladies Meetup. So if you are someone that really enjoys watching the process in action, it's definitely worth checking out that recording as well. Um, but what did you uh, what did you pick out from this blog, Eric? So I think the idea of being able to make flow charts very efficiently um, which are not just these, you know, network graphs that you often see when you're doing this complex 
ontology visualization of like so many things linking to a, a center and inspiring out kind of like a spider web. I'm sure there are more eloquent ways to say, it, but I'll go with that today. Um, this is different though, where you know the direction you want things to go into. And this is a, an issue I've actually wrestled with quite a bit at, at hashtag day job where I've been visualizing the way we evaluate objectives of a trial. There's a specific point you start first and you might branch off into other areas and be able to make this efficiently, both in a static way or an interactive way. But in this case, a quick static visualization where all you need is just a simple data frame that says the nodes and then where it's going from and to. It's really that simple. She's just really done an excellent job of blending these together, uh, uh, just a couple packages here and there. But it's a great showcase to, to again, use ggplot2 in such a, a neat and tidy setting. And yes, that the, the, the finished product of this, of this uh, visualization, it's again one of those cases where unless you knew you were looking at something produced by R, you would not know it. It is so styled so well. The aesthetics, the font, the, the, the colors, everything. It's really innovative. And I have to admit, I've been using these tools that you find online, like this color picker, um, even as I was putting together a teaser video for my upcoming workshop. I wanted to have the, the branding be consistent with what the R Studio marketing group had given me as we're starting to promote this. So I figured, okay, I'll just upload this image, pick it out, and then I'm going to I'm going to look like I actually did something professional for once, even though I'm just a, I'm just a hack at a lot of this stuff, but I, I, I know how to be, I know how to do this somewhat well. So that was fun. Um, but yeah, it's being able to leverage this technology together and these packages together is really, really, um, innovative here. And certainly I look forward to maybe other visuals that, um, Nicola comes up with in the future. Yeah, and I think one thing that we've probably said about ggplot many times, which extends to this blog post, is just how incredible it is, it is a, of a package that we can do all of these different crazy things just with ggplot. One one function that I also hadn't used before, I don't think, was the geom path function, which is just native ggplot, and that's what uh, she used to create the arrows that are within the flow chart to, to show which node essentially points to which other node. So um, just really incredible, all the different things that we can do just with ggplot alone. So, so hats off to Nicola. Excellent. And like you said, Mike, we'll have links to that, that awesome landing page where you can watch a recording of the talk. It's always great to get the audio visual accompaniment to these stories in, in the show notes as well. And this issue has a whole lot more than what we just mentioned here. One thing that also caught my eye that took me into the Wayback Machine a little bit. You can find a data set with just about anything these days, but I have to give credit to this one. It is a data set called Survivor that is all about the, you might say, the trendsetter of reality TV for network television, the Survivor game show that was on for so many years. This data set has about as much as you could possibly imagine about the, the contestants on the show, the results of these challenges throughout all the seasons. So if you're a fan of doing some meta-analysis of pseudo-reality game shows, this is definitely up your alley. So we'll, um, I may pursue that in a fun project, maybe after the workshop's over, but uh, that was definitely fun to see. That output chart is absolutely incredible. Data viz work. It's like a bunch of different charts all on the same page. Like I did not think that that could have possibly 
have been made with R, but it was. And there's a, an accompanying GitHub repository at the very bottom of that post that has all the code that was used to create that chart. And it's not that many packages. It's like Tidyverse, GG Chiclet, GG Bump, and GG Text. That's pretty much it. And it, I mean, it's it's an incredible piece of database. Yeah. So again, it's these these great ways you can you know blend all these together and build such a visually pleasing experience. And it is definitely fitting to a fun analysis like this to theme it up like that instead of the uh, you might say the uh, rather standard black and white you know style that <laughs> out of the box GG plot gets you. This has definitely been themed up the wazoo here, and I. I'm ready for it. I love seeing that stuff. Me too. Me too. Another one that I found was uh, the Vetiver package um, was formally announced by Julia Silge and Isabel Zimmerman on the RStudio blog, including its availability as both an R and Python package. Um, Pretty incredible. If if you're not familiar, Vetiver is a package for everything that comes essentially after you build your model, which has been coined as like MLOps nowadays. So things like model versioning, uh, deploying, model monitoring, retraining, et cetera. Um, the, the monitor piece is still yet to come in the package, but I've got a feeling that it will be here soon. And when it does come, it is going to be game changing. Um, I, Eric and I had a brief talk prior to this on just how, how much of a need there is for some of this model management and monitoring, retraining uh, resources to have in the R community. And we at Catchbrook work with a lot of orgs that have expended a ton of effort to build their model and then expended a lot of effort deploying their model, hopefully successfully. And then they forget at the end, oh, yeah, I've got to monitor this thing, too, and put some structure around it. And they fail to do so. So hopefully, um, you know, it's really cool to see something that has huge potential to impact the data science community and it get released in both R and Python so that some of these organizations that maybe aren't doing these pieces yet in terms of model management will just have it a little bit of an easier roadmap to start doing so. Um, and in terms of it being released in both R and Python, it's a reminder that we really can all live together in harmony, I promise you. And in case like me, you were wor- curious about the package's name, apparently Vetiver is an oil that is used as a stabilizing ingredient to preserve more volatile fragrances. So take what you will out of that. The more you know. The more you know. (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) I also Googled the uh, pronunciation of it because there were many pronunciations going around uh, on Twitter at one point in time. And I think Julia cleared it up, but I could not remember. So I had to go to dictionary.com to make sure it wasn't vetiver or or something else. Vetiver. Pretty sure. Well, I I give you credit for the show prep, Mike, because you know me in pronunciation. We don't mix very often. So happy that you took that one on for sure. Um, But yes, this is, this has so much potential. It's already in my opinion, a game changer in this space. And it's interesting when you see the term ML ops, I'm not sure how long that's been around, but it just kind of made me realize I have been doing stuff like that, but never was much of a term for it. So, you know, a lot of times you wear multiple hats in these organizations. And now with, with, with Vetiver, it's going to be much easier to, to do this and be able to work happily alongside my uh, colleagues in Python and using Python, their modeling. You can all 
be happy together, as they say. This is not just cliche, folks. Mike and I live it, so this is possible. Absolutely, and I, I just think uh, putting out a package in multiple languages is an incredible thing to do. So, so hats off to to Julia and who, whoever else worked on that at our studio. I'm sure there's a bunch of people um, that I failed to mention, but I think we're seeing a lot of things out of the R Studio group that are trying to accommodate both R and Python users. So I'm excited about what that potentially says for the future of, of doing data science and just being able to bring your own tool and to have uh, all of the functionality at your fingertips. Yeah, and if my uh, past experience is any indication, I'd imagine this is not the only thing in store for, for bringing that harmony even more closer. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about this stuff in the future too. So teaser perhaps or just speculation you know who knows you know i like i like to have fun well speaking of fun have a fun look at this our weekly issue we got a lot more that we could talk about here but we're going to leave that up to you to read and it's another fantastic release and certainly we always uh could not make this could not be possible without the support from all of you in the community so if you find a great resource online that you like to share with the rest of the world we're just a pull request away to our draft every week at the R Weekly GitHub uh, organization page and GitHub repo. And certainly we're always welcoming for new uh, curators to join our group. So please get in touch with us if you're interested. We do have plans in the works to try to make things a little easier for newcomers to come on. So stay tuned for that. And also, if you like what you're hearing on this podcast, well, we really appreciate if you share it around. Share it on social media, share it with your friends. We always appreciate having this reach to all the corners of the art community around the world. And thank you for all of you for listening as always. And of course, Mike, the people spoke and they wanted to get more of what you're up to. How can they best get a hold of you? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Ketchbrook, K-E-T-C-H-B-R-O-O-K, um, or wherever else you, you uh, like to peruse social media. Ketchbrook Analytics is probably there. Very good. I met the R-Cast, causing all sorts of silly chaos, I'm sure, throughout, but uh, knee-deep in workshop prep. I might send a little teaser of that within the week. You might see later on, and time is time is drawing there, but it's an exciting time for sure. Well, that will do it for episode 82 of the R-Weekly Highlights podcast. We will be back with another episode next week. <laughs>